0: The following audio is from White River Christian Church. More information about White River is available on the WRCC mobile app or at wrcc.org. Well, good morning. Oh, it is so good to see you, and I'm so thankful that it is a little nicer this morning. With Uh-oh. That means uh, that some of you have sat over here, okay? So that's, that's thank- I'm thankful for that because now I can look this way and not just like turn this way. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, my spiritual gift is sweating, and so um, I'm thankful for the shade that I have for at least a a bit of time, so sorry that I'm out in in the sun this morning. Hey, last week, uh, last Sunday, I just returned from uh, the last time leading as a student pastor CIY move, which is for our high school students, and tomorrow morning, I will leave as last time as student pastor to Uh, take our trip to CI Mix, which is for our middle school students, which I cannot be more excited about. So if you uh, think of it this week, please be praying for our middle school kids as we head to uh, Mix this week. We'll be there from Monday to Friday and would love your prayers. But I thought as as I've been reflecting on that, I've been thinking about just different stories from Move and from Mix, and so I thought I'd share one with you this morning from a few years ago. Uh, Matt Dupson is currently one of our elders. At the time, was not, but he was one of our small group leaders for high school ministry. And uh, there are things that uh, that I tell our leaders you, you don't ever want to say at the beginning of trips. Uh, things like I, I don't I don't really cry at these things, right? Like I, I don't really ever get pushed out of my comfort zone, or, or just different things like that. Matt had said a couple things like that at the beginning of the week, and uh, by night three. I could tell the Lord was already working on him and in him. And, and we get these instructions in the morning of what's going to happen in the evening. And so we had been told after the speaker was finished on night three that we would uh, go up to the top of this bowl. I've got kind of a picture of it, I think, uh, right here. So you can see there's the stage. This is actually an arena, a basketball arena. And there's this big bowl around there. And, and, and all the leaders were supposed to go up to the top of this place. And then our students in response could come up if they're in our small group, find us, and we would pray over them, uh, whatever might be going on or whatever, you know, the Lord kind of stirred in their hearts. And so Matt and I, uh, we knew our assignment. We, we, as soon as this, the sermon was over, we went up and we found our places, and there was a little bit of nervousness uh, in him about, like, how's this going to roll out and play out? Um, are just our students going to come to us? And in my ignorance, I reassured him right before we walked up there, hey, it's just our students from our small group. Like, maybe one of the other kids from our group will come to us, but you've got, we got this, right? And so we take our places, um, and, and this, the worship begins, and immediately two of our boys come up to us. Uh, I mean, they like to shot out of their seats and came up. And so we begin praying over these two boys. We knew what was going on in their lives. We knew what was taking place. And so we start praying over them. And when, when I finish, <laughs> when I finish, I open my eyes, and behind him is a line of probably 15 high school students none of which are from our group, none of which I've ever laid eyes on, none of which do I know the names of. And I immediately, like, panic, because I remember what I told Matt right before we walked up. We just have to pray for our boys. I look over, and I see, and I see a line of about 20 high school kids. I don't know, right? Right behind Matt. And I see Matt looking at me with these eyes that are mixed with, are you kidding me, and I'm going to kill you later, okay? Okay? And I'm like, you got this, right? And for the next like two and a half worship songs, we were meeting kids. They were telling us their name and then telling us their story and what they wanted us to pray over. And we prayed over them. And, and I, I'm telling you, I don't remember any of those kids' names. All I remember at one point, there were three boys that came up. And they all three told me their name, what they wanted me to pray for. And I'm like, I, one at a time, I had that, okay? I had that. Three at a time, I couldn't remember the first kid's name or what he was dealing with by the third time the third kid was done. Like, I just (laughs) closed my eyes, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to show up, right? Because I don't have any idea what to pray for these boys. And we prayed. And so for the next, now, if Matt was up here today, he would tell you he probably played for 50 to 60 kids that night. It might be a little exaggeration, but he's probably not that far off, okay? And here's what Matt and I discovered that night. We were given grace that we weren't looking for. We were. I mean, there's no other way to explain how he and I stood there and prayed over kids and what they had to share with us in that moment and were able to pray specifically for them. I'm telling you, there were moments where I was praying and I was listening to myself because it wasn't me, right? We absolutely experienced grace we weren't looking for. And today, the story we're going to look at is the story of Saul. So if you have your Bibles, open with me to Acts chapter uh, 9, okay, where it's where we're going to be. And we find uh, Saul in this story. Saul is, as Amber said, who we know as Paul, okay? If you didn't know that, know that this morning. But I'm going to refer to him as Saul because this is the point in his life where he is Saul. He's not been renamed. Uh, Jesus has not encountered him yet. And so Uh, This morning, when I say Saul, who we're talking about, you and I mostly know as Paul. All right? Everybody on board with that? Shake your head yes. That's great, because I can't see hardly any of you. Anyways, uh, as we look at this this morning, uh, we're going to start in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, okay? And and I need you to understand this, and and Amber kind of alluded to this. Saul was like a, a good guy. I think sometimes we get in our head that Saul is this evil man that was wanting to kill people who followed Jesus, um, which part of that is true, but the part about him being an evil man is not. Uh, he was a man after God's heart when he was Saul. In fact, we're told by him um, in Philippians 3, verses 5 and 6, that this is his pedigree. This is where he came from. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. What he's telling you and I, as Saul, according to the Old Testament, was this amazing, he was the example. Okay, as far as following God when it comes to the Old Testament, The problem was, is that Saul hadn't realized that that this Jesus, whom they had crucified and killed, uh, was a new way that God was sending for them. He hadn't put that together. And so to this point, uh, when he sees people following Jesus, uh, the way is what is referred to in the passage we're going to read this morning, he sees that as a threat to the way that they follow God, and therefore it has to be exterminated just as Jesus does, or was. And so he's been traveling around, and we know this because if you flip back to to chapters 6 and 7 of Acts, you will see and read where Saul actually oversees the stoning of Stephen, who is a follower of Jesus. Because again, he's trying to protect what they know as of following God. And so that's, I want you to understand that this morning as we read this, because otherwise you're going to think he's this evil guy, and he's not an evil guy. He was someone who was trying to do right by God as best as he knew how and could. And as we read this this morning, I want you to pay attention to grace that he's not looking for, okay? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressing, addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the cooperation and the rest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. The voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. I'm going to pause there. There's more to that story, but I'm going to pause there because that's all we need for this morning. Here's the deal. Saul was busy doing what he thought following God was supposed to look like. He was busy finding those who uh, are following the way and figuring out how to arrest them and keep them from spreading this new idea that Jesus had begun. And so Saul here is is headed to Damascus. And again, he's on this road and he gets blinded, just as we were told now twice this morning. And, And Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? All right, now think about this for a second. This is Saul who knows that Jesus was crucified, was dead and put into a tomb. And then all of a sudden, uh, this Jesus, whom he knows as being dead, and, and these people who he's going to get, uh, who are following this way, all of a sudden is speaking to him from a light that is shining and blinding him from heaven. not know about you, but I would be absolutely caught off guard, stunned, shocked. I might have peed my pants when he started speaking, right? Like, I, I would have been so scared at this moment. And, and, and Paul says this in response, who are you, Lord? He recognizes it's somebody uh, from heaven who's speaking, and he doesn't know who it is. And then Jesus says, I am Jesus, right? the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and do as I have told you. Hey, hey here's the deal. He's, he has been completely stopped in the middle of what he thought was right to do something different. In fact, he thought he was following God to a T, doing the best he could, and even... Uh, he even tells us later that, that in Philippians that he was doing the best that he could. That he was perfect according to righteousness. Um, he was obedient. He was all these things. And yet, he was still missing it. Because you see, he wasn't looking for grace. He was looking for followers of Jesus to get rid of. And in the midst of that, he finds grace. Because let's think about this for a second. It's Jesus Jesus could have opened up the earth and swallowed him whole. Jesus could have stopped his breath in that moment. Jesus could have chose to do a whole lot of other things to Paul in that moment. And instead, all he does is blind him. It's a grace that he isn't looking for. And, and I, to help you understand this, because I was thinking, how do I understand this? How do, how do I process this? Well, most of you know I accepted Jesus uh, in high school. as a freshman. And uh, at that Growing up, I was a third-generation Stockton uh, in a town on the west side of Indianapolis. And so what that meant is this. I, well, first of all, I'm a spitting image of my father, and, and my dad is a spitting image of his father. And so as a kid, I didn't get away with anything in public, okay? Like, the second I would walk into places, I can remember, this is sad, but I remember going into Hardee's, and old men would look at me and be like, oh, you have got to be Leroy St- Stockton's grandson. I'm <laughs> just like, what? How do you know that? right? Like, how in the world do you know that I, that I belong to him? Uh, like, because I looked exactly like them. And so for me, growing up, a lot of times when I was obeying and being obedient, especially in public, it, it was to earn my dad's favor. It was so that my dad, uh, I'd made my dad proud. and so that my, my dad wouldn't look bad. So when I accepted Jesus as a freshman in high school, I thought that's what faith was. Like now, it's just not just my earthly father; it's my heavenly father, and I've got to uh, I've got to be obedient. I got to do this, that, and the other when I'm in public, so that other people look at me and say, "Yeah, well, he follows Jesus," and 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 I bet God loves him because he's doing such a good job. Do you hear that when when, when you read the Philippians passage, Paul says, "This is I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was this. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I I, I was uh, righteous as righteous could be." But you see. Saul is missing it. Because for you and I, it's not about obedience so that we can earn something. It's about obedience because we've already been given something. And that something is the grace that we've been talking about on repeat this summer Sundays. You've already been given grace. I was already given grace as a freshman in high school. And so for six years until I hit the co- went to college, Not until a moment where I was given a book that I needed to read by somebody who I cared a lot about that I realized that, you know what, my obedience should come out of gratitude because I've already been shown grace. There's a difference between these two. Saul was obedient because he was trying to earn something. You'll see later as you read scripture, Paul is obedient because he had already been given something. His life was now an act of gratitude from that day forward. And the same goes for you and I. My question, I guess, that, that begs uh, for you this morning is this. Are you functioning in your relationship with God out of obedience so that he gives you something? Or are you functioning out of your relationship with God so, because you've already been given something? Because the truth is, some of us out here probably aren't even looking for the grace that you've already been given. Jesus offers you and I grace even when we're not looking for it. Whether you've ever been looking for it or whether maybe you've, you've had it before and experienced it before, but, but, but get those things mixed up the way Saul had them mixed up. If you will, turn with me to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. I love this passage. It's one of my favorites because of my own story and the way I relate to Saul uh, in my own walk with Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says this, and this is Saul writing later after he'd been renamed and began doing ministry for Jesus. He says this, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Do you understand that, that for you and I, if you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you call yourself a Christ follower, that for you and I, there's two things that we're called to do. And there are two things that are in this passage. The first one is this, to realize that there's nothing that we've ever done that disqualifies us from grace. Nothing. I heard this quote this past week, and it's stuck with me. It's uh, by Brian Stevenson, the lawyer who founded the Equal Justice Initiative. He says this, I believe each, of, uh, each person is more than the worst thing that they've ever done. Do you understand that, that God believes that you are more than the worst thing than you have ever done? And if you're this morning you're, you're, you're in your mind thinking, yeah, right, Lance, you don't know what I've done. Let me remind you, we're, we're studying Saul this morning who killed followers of Jesus. I'm pretty sure none of us in here are on that level yet, right? That's, that's, that's a, that is worse as it could be. He is persecuting Jesus himself. And God says, you know what, I'm going to show you grace you're not even looking for. I'm going to turn you around and I'm going to use you to single-handedly spread the word about Jesus and then write most of the New Testament that you and I get the chance to read on a regular basis. Grace that he wasn't looking for. You and I have experienced grace that we're not looking for, no matter what you've done. You see, uh, I I love this. It says that uh, Jesus Christ could use me as a prime example of his great patience when he, with even the worst of sinners. I don't know about you, but I feel like the worst of sinners sometimes. And God uses patience with you. Oh, there's a step there. Uses patience with you. I want to get closer to you. I don't like being this far from you. Uses <laughs> patience with you. Why? So that you can experience his grace. So that you would respond out of gratitude. So that you would realize it's already been taken care of for you and I. But his patience also has another purpose. And it's this. I love this line. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Do you realize the second reason is because you are called to use your grace to show other people what Jesus is like. I'm going to say this on repeat as your pastor. You need to hear this, that you have a testimony, which is basically just your story. And we need your story. Because your story can impact others. People, you see, when we say testimony, sometimes our minds go to when I accepted Jesus in 1999. Well, you know what? That is a testimony of my conversion to Jesus. Yes, but I can share you a testimony of God's goodness from last week. I can share you with you a testimony of God's healing from two weeks ago. Right? Because it's a part of my story, what I've experienced when it comes to Jesus and my relationship with God. And so, you have a story. You have testimony after testimony of what God has done for you, and God needs that. God has shown you grace when you weren't looking for it so that you could show grace to others. I wrote this down because it's true in my life and it's true in yours. We've been given grace, even when we're not looking for it, so that we can become grace givers, and so here's what I want to ask you to do this next week. I just want you to do this and put it into practice forever, but... Try this next week. Share a testimony. Share a story with somebody as to the grace that you've been given. I don't care who it is. It could be a stranger. It could be a best friend. It could be one of your family members. Just share a story of the grace that God has given you. And second, show others grace. Church, we are called to be grace givers. You know what can make us different than everybody else that's driving around this park right now and not at Church and not in a relationship with Jesus is the way that we show people grace. The way that we show them grace that they're not looking for, just the same as we've been shown grace that we weren't looking for. Praise God for that this morning. Amen? Let me pray for you, and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. (laughs) That seems so insignificant of uh, a statement for what you've done for us on the cross, Jesus. But thank you. Thanks for showing us grace, even when we weren't looking for it. Thanks for for taking Saul, uh, a man who was uh, persecuting you and the way of following you and turning him around and using him uh, to spread uh, your message. Jesus, would you use the people gathered in this park, that can hear this right now, uh, to spread your message of grace. That we get grace even when we aren't looking for it. Would you allow us opportunities this week to show other people grace when we interact with them? Would we have the boldness to share what it looks like uh, to just give a testimony to the grace that you've given us, Jesus? We thank you so much for the way that you love us, uh, even when we're not even aware that you are. And we give you all the praise and honor and glory this morning, Jesus. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.